So, any questions tonight? Yes. Uh, I have a friend whom I respect very much, and we always end up in disagreements about things. And we have this one long disagreement over sharing. I'm the kind of person who gets very enthusiastic about things, and be it cycling, outdoor life, graphic design, whatever, I'm very enthusiastic. Even I learn a little, I want to tell others and share it with them. But He's of the opinion that this doesn't extend to the realm of devotion, that in devotional life, those who should be doing the sharing should be like higher devotees. Mm-hmm. So, could you say something about that topic? Well, I think there's some truth to what what he says, but I wouldn't think that that was the whole picture. I mean... Um, Everybody, you know, I guess it would say in principle the the idea is that one should share according to the level of one's understanding. Uh, naturally, if there are those who would uh, be receptive, um, but I think that perhaps that uh, devotees statement is based on experience of a kind of a push or drive to share, to preach uh, as a way, as a means, the Brihat Murdanga and so forth, that uh, uh, that uh, um, can have a downside to it, hmm? and that there might be considerable misrepresentation, and uh, and so perhaps he or she is you know, reacting to that and um, taking a position that only those who are actually teachers. Um, of the subject and are aware of it should should teach and so forth, and uh, like I say, there's something to be said, you know, for that argument given the measure of misrepresentation, for example, that you see readily on the on the internet. It seems to be very you know prominent where people don't have to even identify themselves; they can have a pseudo name or then just get on there and quote this and that from without the scriptures, without knowing how they work together and so forth, and and that's when you see that kind of a um, hodgepodge of misconceptions uh, uh, being a, a large body of really misrepresentation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, you might, you know, withdraw to that kind of a um, idea which has its roots in in uh, in ancient times in sacred texts where for example only the brahmins would read the read the texts hmm? and uh, i think there's a famous statement about a sudra reading the bhagavatam or something like that and it might be even in in a ramayana or something and there being a problem with with it and and so forth uh, which goes against you know modern sensibilities at the same time but, but perhaps 
that that going against the modern sensibilities is, is not based on a, a full understanding of the of 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 what that is behind that idea. They were the educated people. That was their field. That was their dharma. And the other classes of people had other equally important, you could say, uh, functions in in the society that were uh, in consideration of their psychophysiological makeup. And and as the Gita says, we better not do another person's duty. That's kind of a varnashram a statement there. Because uh, there's, in the name of there being a fault in mind, because there's a fault in all of these, hmm. which is the overarching again push down on on ashram from the Gita. Um, so um, I think you have to come in between hmm, with some balance, and um, if I'm if I'm correct in assuming that that's kind of a reaction to. Uh, what he or she sees or experiences, which I experience too, and I've said things like that. You know, most of these people shouldn't be preaching. They shouldn't even be reading, hmm? because they read and they misunderstand, and then they and it's apparent from how they then try to explain it. And so, uh, I've said things like that, which take you back to you know ancient times. These, these books are not to be in, in everybody's hands. They're meant to be taught. Hmm? We find in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, in explaining his own Namaskar verse, Bandeshi Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodita Gaudadai Pushpabanto Chitro Samdo Tamonudo That Gaur Nityananda come, they're given, they're given the prame. Hmm? They're removing the darkness of, uh, of, of the cheating desires that cheat you out of the, the opportunity that's before you. Through the grace of Gornitananda, desires for karma, uh, dharma, artha, kama, and moksha, when the the the, the panchamapurushartha, the fifth goal of life, the prem prayojan, is now being so readily distributed, and then he goes on, as I say in his commentary, my point being that the way in which they do this is through two bhagavatas, the book Bhagavat and the person Bhagavata. There was a a reaction at one point. Um, after uh, Prabhupada's uh, departure from the world and the confusion that arose with regard to succession, um, there was an argument that surfaced in which um, some devotees were pushing the idea that the book is also the Bhagavat, the book Bhagavat. Hmm? And the book Bhagavat and the person Bhagavat are non-different. Therefore, all we need is Prabhupada's books. Hmm? This was sounds a little silly, but it was it was a a argument that had currency in, in some some quarters. Hmm? Um, and of course, you know, Prabhupada emphasized his books, appropriately so, and they were the only books we had for the most part, except for a few people like me. <laughs> Got some other books from Gaudiya Math at different times and so forth. Uh, when I just uh, there was not a lot of us, but not a lot of readers for that matter either, it would seem. But there was a time when Prabhupada shipped over books published by Gaudiya Math before his Bhagavatams came out, and uh, we had them in Los Angeles, and I used to sell them at the Sunday feast to people. Little you know, little paperbacks for the most part, some hardbacks too. At any rate, his books were obviously the main main emphasis and. And um, you know they've taken that to quite an extreme 
by, like I've said, taking a hyperbolic statement of his. It's not recorded anywhere that we heard about, you know, second or third hand. My books will be the law of the next 10,000 years and making that like a foundation to build, you know, the rest of the uh, uh, the uh, the way in which the, the, the teachings will proceed in terms of their dissemination over the next 10,000 years. No new, no new books are required. These are the law books. I mean, what does it even mean, you know, if it's not just hyperbole, which it, obviously it was. Law books? I mean, like they're going to replace, you know, the law books in which country? In all the countries? You know? And of course, law books, as I've said, are always changing for that matter. So anyway, it's a silly um, argument when repeatedly, and of course I'm repeating myself, but it's worth it that Prabhupada said over and over again in his books that preaching is relative to time and circumstance. So time and circumstance change. That's why you need a parampara, one after another, to address it with new light and the, uh, the arguments of the day and the times in which one, one is living. So a dynamic literary um, edifice, a canon that's always expanding. But anyway, they had this idea: the book is the book is there's the book Bhagavad and the book Bhagavad and the person Bhagavad are one and the same. They're two, they're one and I'd say they're one and different. And Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami said, the way in which this prem of Gornatananda is distributed, the way they've arranged it is through two Bhagavatas. The book Bhagavat, hmm, which means Srimad Bhagavatam, and the person who's relishing the the, 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 the feelings in, in the book exemplifies them, these two together. Hmm? Um, so you, you, it's not just one or, or, or the other. So therefore, sometimes Pujapada Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj, seeing the kind of distortions, some of which were listing here at one time in his outreach um, uh, said that um, you cannot become Krishna conscious by reading the books. You have to hear from a sadhu. Not just read. You cannot read just by hearing. Where does it say reading? Oh, it says hearing. Hmm? To emphasize the point that you needed a sadhu to explain the book and and so on and so forth. Now I got a question from a god sister of mine who has uh, uh, came under his his uh, able guidance and so forth, and asking me something to that effect and kind of agreeing with that. And I said, well, you know, you need to kind of put this in perspective. This is why he said it. I can tell you, because this is a reaction to this. But it doesn't mean that there's no place for studying or reading the books. That's another. She was kind of of that, going in that direction. After all, at the end of the Gita, it says this is Gyanyagya, you know, to study the Gita from upside down, inside out, and backwards. And they were written. So there's something to be said for reading the books too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a there's different statements made at different times, and you got to kind of take it all all together, and um, and um, and there may be a place for saying, you know, not everybody should read the books. In fact, most people shouldn't read the books. But, you know, what do you mean by that? That they should read them, if they're going to read them, 
with guidance so that they can be asked. So do you understand? Pujapachita Maharshi used to compare the book Shastra to a passive agent of divinity and the Bhagavat, the devotee, to an active agent of divinity. Because the book can't ask you, do you understand? But the, that the devotee could say, do you understand? You go, yes, let me hear, what do you understand? And then he can see that you don't understand, if that's the case, and correct you and so forth. So, um, um, so that, you know, that, that side is there, um, and there may be reason to wax or, or sway and move in that direction and make that kind of emphasis at, at times, but I, I think it's too sweet. It's, it's not one side or the other. So there's the other side, swing to the other side a bit, and there's, there's the, what are you, whatever Krishna consciousness you have, you're not supposed to open your mouth about it to anybody, share it with anybody whatsoever, whatever you do know. Hmm? Somebody says, what are those beads? I can't say anything. Hmm? That, that can only, you have to ask my guru. You mean you don't even know? <laughs> Why should I ask your guru? I guess he didn't teach you anything. You, you can't tell me. So I mean, this does take it to an extreme, and it, obviously that doesn't uh, doesn't make any sense either. So, um, yeah, Prabhupada was was emphasizing in a particular way hmm, at, during in his time, which got, had everybody preaching, preaching, preaching. Is the is the thing to do? It's the way to please Krishna, you know, and so forth. Uh, distributing his books and so forth. Um, that was a strong. Emphasis. Of course, I was sitting in an audience in a, in Prabhupada's temple in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was just filled with devotees. Um, he was visiting there, and one of the book distributors. It was one of the very few times that Prabhupada asked for questions after lecture. After after a certain period of time, maybe in the early early times in 26th Second Avenue and early days in San Francisco, he, he would ask for questions. But later on. The audience got bigger. He didn't ask for questions. He just gave the talk. Thank you very much, and that was all. So, for him to ask a question um, uh, at this point, I, it must have been 1976 or something like that. It was quite rare. But the reason was he was just so moved. He had just been in Central um, Central America. I think he was in Panama, and Mexico, and then Florida, and. Uh, coming up to Georgia, which is the next state up, and every place he went, they were going to Thai deities, and he had never been there before. So he was just really moved by the mercy of Gornatananda, and so many devotees were coming, and there, and he was in Atlanta, and they had Gornatai deities, and so he introduced the song, hmm, what is it? Chandra Sabavata it's about the, you heard of Karmakanda, Gyanakanda, this is Keval Anandakanda, hmm? only about bliss, only about love, the dispensation of Gore, Nityananda, Lochandastakwa's song. So, and then he played the Murdanga himself because others couldn't do the beat, one, two, one, you know. And so he was very animated, hmm? and he was giving classes at night on Chaitanya Charitamrita, which was also rare hmm, at that time. So he was really moved, and then he asked for questions. So somebody said, it was a book distributor, I know the fellow, he said, Prabhupada, what is the best way to please you? And he was sure Prabhupada was going to say book distribution. Then he was going to go, see? Because there was this, sometimes this, not everybody thought that, you know, it was to be taken as, we should 
stop the deity worship and go and sell books or something, you know, with that kind of extreme. So then Prabhupada said, just try to love Krishna. That's all. Hmm. So, uh, but but there was a, there was an emphasis on his part that, you know, caused some people to, you know, take it to an extreme and think like that. Once I, I um, was in Vrindavan and I heard that Prabhupada was going to cook for himself that day, so I went down to see him, and um, and there he was he was taking massage and he, and I said Prabhupada, I heard that you were going to cook, so I came because I wanted to watch, to see if I could help. And then he chuckled and he said, he said, no, they're cooking nicely. So somehow I don't know where I had got the information, but there I was anyway, happy to be there. And uh, and then he said, and I was a new sannyasi at that time. I think I had taken sannyas earlier that year, and um, or anyway, not 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 too long before. And he said, uh, he said, I can cook with wood. And then he began to talk about being self-sufficient and you know as a sannyasi, you know, not dependent on anyone. I could live in the forest. And it's going on like that. It was quite nice. And then another devotee who was a uh, a well-known book distributor. Um, he somehow heard that I was there talking to Prabhupada <coughs> and so he ma- managed to come in there and and uh, I don't think he'd ever spoken with Prabhupada before but uh, somehow he, he, he got in and Prabhupada of course generously entertained his presence and so forth and what he wanted to do was talk to Prabhupada about book distribution because he thought I was talking with Prabhupada about book distribution and he was a book distributor and he had his certain ideas about book distribution. And there were certain things about the book distribution that he didn't like at the time, the way it was going, and he wanted to edit it and so forth, you know, which, you know, it, it's, it could have used editing at times. But but at any rate, that was not the conversation. But at any rate, that, that's what he thought it was about. So he came and he had his notes and so forth. So what he told Prabhupada was that uh, he felt that, that there needed to be some training for all the devotees who are going to go out and preach so that they don't make mistakes and say the wrong things and, and maybe turn people off or he wanted some system, you know, that everybody would be trained in and regulated by and so forth. But Prabhupada wouldn't have it. He said it is artificial. And, uh, and then... Uh, and then he said that uh, he said, "Well, uh, well, Prabhupada, you know, you told Tamal Krishna Maharaj to give a quota to each of the brahmacharis uh, on his party in terms of how much they should collect every day." So I'm just kind of talking about a similar type of a, you know, put some some kind of regulation to it. And Prabhupada said, "I have not done that. That is his concoction. I have not said." Any quota? Then he, he was, he was, what his emphasis was. Now you know the, it wasn't entirely wrong what the devotee was thinking about, but but Prabhupada had a particular emphasis at the time, and he was saying that that, that he wanted to, the devotees to be free to be inspired by Krishna, and based on their inspiration, to share their Krishna consciousness. Hmm? And he said, just like our Tripurari Marsh, he said, Krishna's in the heart is giving him things to say, hmm? and then he's saying them. And, and this way, every devotee should has his own inspiration. Tesham satata yuktanam bhajatam priti pubakam tadami buddhi yogam 
Enamam Upayantite, first Bhagavad Gita verse I ever learned. Krishna gives the intelligence by which they'll come to me and so forth. So he was, you know, emphasizing that that point. Hmm? So well and good. There's a, there's a, there's a reason for emphasizing that. Then again, you know, there's a reason for um, seeing a a problem that occurs from emphasizing and misunderstanding it and and then and then correcting it. So. Like I say, look at the internet; it's a huge, uh, you know, mis- misinformation f- factory um, with regard to Krishna consciousness, from my point of view, anyway. Um, so you need a corrective. So uh, yeah, I, that's you know how I would think about it in a more balanced way. Does that help? Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Everybody can share, can share something, but that doesn't mean everybody can be a teacher. That's that's another thing. What else? Yes. You mentioned the other day that uh, we need to cleanse the chitta and turn it towards the atma. Uh, like, like, like in Shikshastakam, we hear like chitta dark and marginal, but this turning it towards the atma is not in there. But that's something you. Well, I think I said there we, you know, we 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 turn it towards Krishna, right? So, but that's just saying we turn it towards if the, if the chitta is like compared to a mirror, which Mahaprabhu compared it to, then if it's pointing outward, it's going to collect all these impressions. Hmm? If we turn it towards Krishna instead, which you could do, even while keeping it outwardly focused. In relation to sense objects for the pleasure of Krishna, that's a complicated, you know, um, further philosophical discussion. But that's bhakti. Then you get the bhakti impressions on the, the mirror, which cleanse away the other ones and and remain there. Uh, so you know, I think the other day I was giving more of a generic explanation. Well, I think that was in the context of the ego-facing discussion, where we were speaking more broadly about ego-facing traditions and so turning it on the Atma rather than on Krishna, you know, see the self for what he, what he is and so forth, which happens in the context of bhakti also. That's the, uh, you know, the yoga, what does the yoga sutra say? Chitta vritti nirodha, you know, cleansing the chitta. Hmm? Then, then you can see the Atma, the Purusha. Who's been there all along? It's not going anywhere. What else? No. Yes. Uh, I've just never heard a clear answer on this, and I wanted to ask: What is a sika, and why do we have sikas? Yeah, I answered that well in in Saragrahi once. Uh, I'd have to think about it indeed to give us. I think I gave a pretty long explanation there, but uh, to start out anyway, in, in brief, um, the um, if if you go to India and then you want to get a rickshaw. Hmm, 
with a human being riding on a bike or pulling a rickshaw, type of a taxi, right? Human propelled, how horrible, rather than gas propelled, hmm, maybe not so bad. Um, then you'll find that um, they have seekers. So you might think, oh, he's a devotee. Hmm. But apparently, <laughs> well, that's not the case necessarily, but apparently that's just the sudras would have, a, would have the sikha. Hmm. So one way to think about it, of course, is that within the Varna ashram, amongst the four Varnas, which one is the most favorable for bhakti, if any of them? The Brahman, the Kshatri, the Vaishya, or the Sudra? So one might think the Brahman, but we say no, the Sudra, because why? He or she already knows how to serve. Now you just have to change the focus. It's a simple argument to make a point. It's, it's not entirely true in all respects, but but um, so it's a sign of a it's a it's a sign of a servant. Hmm? And in our tradition. We shave the head, Rupanatana, they shave their heads. Hmm. And in the Mayavada tradition, the sannyasis would, it's quite common to shave their heads also. I guess some of them, I guess, would. There's two, there's two systems to do away with vanity. Either you shave the head, or you just let it grow. And you let your fingernails grow, and the beard grow, and like that. Hmm. That's an austerity, I'm sure. Um, but. Um, uh, for example, when Mahaprabhu took sannyas, then his head was shaved. It's a big uh, drama, right? Emotional affair, the shaving of Mahaprabhu's head by the barber and the katwa. So, uh, at the, but at the time, then he was initiated by Keshava Bharati, who was in the Shankar Sampradaya. So he, he wasn't left with a sika. So the Maya bodies have a shaved head without a sika. And just the opposite from the devotees, they teach that upon taking sannyas, one becomes Narayan, of Narayan. So if you've stepped out of the Varnashram system, where action is regulated by the Varna uh, guidelines and so forth, that means you become a sannyasi. Sannyasi is like out of the world, right? He does, you know, he doesn't have a varna. Hmm. Of course, you could say only the Brahmins can take sannyas. That's the Shankar would say something like that. But um, he has a, he has an ashram, but it's an, it's like away from the world. It's an ashram in a, in a different sense. Hmm. I guess you could take ashram as in any situation as a su. Uh, well, okay, we don't confuse the two, the Varnas and the Ashram. So, Varna, Ashram, Brahmachari, Vanaprastha, Krihasta, Vanaprastha, Sanyas. Anyway, so, Sanyas, he's out of the world. He's he, he's he, he's thought to have transcended the Varna Ashram. Now, he's a contemplative, and um, if your idea is, as Shankar's is, that the Atma is really Brahman, then... Sannyasi is God, so Om Narayan, they say to one another. 
my respects to Narayan, my respects to you, Narayan, and the people in general. Look at them like that. So, Vaishnavas are, of course, very different. The Mahabhava said, Krishna Matir Astu. I think when someone said Om Narayan, he said, May Krishna bless you. That's the Vaishnava perspective. And so, one way of thinking about it is that they were the Sikha, which symbolizes or uh, the, 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 the servant, servant of Narayan. In this way, they're distinguished from the uh, Shankar lineage. That's one uh, answer. But now you'd have to look more deeply into the Madhva Sampradaya, the Ramanuja Sampradaya, where they have Sikhas and they must have some ideas about it. Um, I'm sure that there is, and I, th- I might have remembered it at that time, but I don't now, some type of um, subtle body type of put a Sika here on this part of the head and this happens, you know, kind of a thing. Marsh, you know? Connected to the Sahasra Chakra. Yeah. 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 And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure they have some, some idea, has some subtle effect. And, uh, something like that. I, but basically, we it's one of the ways in which we distinguish ourselves from the Maya. But now, what what currency does that have in the world today, you know, in the Western world? Not a lot. Hmm. People see you dressed like this, shaved head, they think you're a Buddhist, even if you got a Sika. They, you know, they don't... So, so in order to to encourage devotees to wear a sika, then you have to maybe have to give a little bit better explanation, <laughs> a little bit broader explanation. I'll have to go back and and think about that. What else? I mean, it might be said in one Purana that that's the way Garuda picks you up from the ocean of material existence. Mm. Without that, he doesn't pick up the Maya bodies. Mm. How can he? They don't have a seeker. <laughs> 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 yeah. I even heard once when the Buddha is understanding the example, like you say, then they emphasize that the seeker must have a knot. Take you, but the sequel will slip, slip. and you will again fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some things are, you know, over centuries a little bit lost in terms of their significance. And it's a good question to ask, uh, although it's often thought to be kind of a dumb question. Why do you wear that on your, you know, can you ask me a more <laughs> philosophical question? But here you are philosophically informed and asking a, 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 a good question. In a, in a sense, as it's the uh, cultural features of the tradition, they're, they're, um, they all make sense hmm? at the time they were instituted and so forth. And it is useful to know them and and then see that they may have currency at, the, at different cultures in, in different times and so forth. If they're if they're explained and so forth. So forgive me for being a little short on that uh, answer explanation today, but. If I think about it a little bit more, maybe maybe tomorrow I'll come up with a fur- further answer. I know I've given a more 
comprehensive answer. I think I did a little even research after that class or something and came up with some answers, but they, 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 I haven't retained them in my chitta yet. What else? Yes. Well, she was there with Krishna and his friend, and 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 and, and so she was a little shy. Hmm? But, but for me, she knows about. She was just changing her clothes with him. And yeah, I I always thought I thought it was a little a little odd too. But I think one poet had yeah. mentioned it. I think I think I was quoting a poet there. Hmm. Um, if it was Baladev, then. Right, you, this is the point you're yeah. you're making. Then it would be be understandable. But even even then, um, even 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 in the in the company of her own sakis and manjaris, she may be a little uh, shy to express herself fully. Hmm. Um, in fact. Uh, I think in the, in 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 the, in the Madhuri Lila when they do meet for the finally and and at at, at she she feels a little shy in everyone's presence and faults her suckies for putting her in this situation and so it's part of her nature it's nice what else yes uh, Yeah, there's some truth to that. Uh, Prabhupada instituted that himself, and I, I think that he wanted the devotees to become familiar with the with the language, learn some verses, and uh, and not everybody would have that propensity to the same extent, but some some did. They became learned. Some learned Sanskrit, and they could help him in his translations and uh, and so forth as the, as they did, or or Bengali. Um, and so Prabhupada was introducing a culture and. You know, language is, is part of the culture, so he's encouraging the devotees to to learn it. Um, um, nothing wrong with that, uh, but it, it doesn't require that. You know, every class you do it, you can do it on your own. You, the books are there, the verses are there. You can you can learn them. Of course, I guess if you hear somebody recite it, maybe that's your point. Then you can recite it back and so forth. Personally, myself, I've I've listened to a couple of ISKCON uh, classes, 
in recent uh, years, and it's like you got to wait 20 minutes before the class starts. Even he said, "Vacha, uvacha." Krishna said, "Uvacha." Krishna said, and it goes like on and on and on and on and on. And it, given the times in which we live and the internet and the you know soundbite measure of people's attention, I think, man, who, who's going to listen to 20 minutes of this before you know the, the actual? And then they read the purport, purport by His Divine Grace. A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. It's got to, got to become a, a little formulaic to the point where it's it it, it, it might be counterproductive, um, but that's the way Prabhupada did it. So you know they want to do it the same way, and unfortunately, some people think if you don't do it that way, it's obviously there's something wrong with it. You know the story about the, the fellow, the, the sadhu who was teaching the Bhagavad Gita, and then um, one day a cat came to the class. And the cat was meowing, so he was you know, couldn't really. Every time he started to speak, the cat was meowing. So he said, "Well, the sadhu said, well, tie the cat up and give her some milk.' So they tied the cat up, gave her some milk, quiet, and class went on. The next day, the same cat came, started to meow. So the devotees, without being asked, they knew tie the cat up and give her some milk. So every day the cat came from then from then on. Every day before the Bhagavad Gita, they would tie the cat. Give her the milk, and then the sadhu would speak, and then um, the sadhu passed away. The next sadhu, the successor, came, and the cat was still alive. So the cat was still coming, and, and then uh, one day the cat passed away. It didn't show up. It passed away. They found that she had passed away, and they said, "Well, oh, problem. You can't speak on the Bhagavad Gita unless you first tie up a cat and give her some milk." So then they had to go find another cat, tie her up, give her some milk, and then only then could you speak the Bhagavad Gita. So you want to be a little careful; it doesn't become uh, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there are different, and there's nothing wrong with what they do. And it's gone, and Prabhupada taught that, and it has its virtues and value and so forth. Um, but we do it differently here, and there's nothing wrong with that either. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not certainly against anyone learning learning verses and. Uh, and language, Sanskrit, Bengali, it, uh, it's, 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 it's good. What Jamanagni said is also, is also uh, true, mm -hmm. that um, while that may be a good thing to do, it's not necessarily essential, and um, Perfect pronunciation and recitation and so forth may be something that other traditions are more focused on. Our focus is Bhavagrahi Dhanardana. Krishna accepts the feeling. One time we were, we used to, in, in Los Angeles years ago, um, before the daily Guru Puja for Parvapat started, where he would come down and we would offer Artik to him and so forth. After Mangal Artik, which was about like 4.15 or 4.30 or something like that, at 6.30 we would, some of us who didn't have any other service, we would gather in the temple in front of Prabhupada's uh, Vyasasana and we would chant the Samsara Purse, which we already chanted at, at, during Mangal Artik. But we would do that. And um, so I remember once, and, and Prabhupada, was, his, that time his room was... Um, 
connected to the temple, and um, not far, and uh, uh, through a back door, and uh, it was the old temple, not the present temple. And so he heard a singing, and the singing was one day, Guru Shi Charanadavina, and they were singing one day, Gorar. It sounded like like offered my obeisances to the cow instead of the guru. They were saying cow in Sanskrit rather than guru, as Prabhupada heard it. Hmm. So, um, but still he accepted their, what they meant, how they felt. Shudamarsh commenting on that said, yes, so Krishna will say, uh, you said this, I think you meant that, right? Hmm. So he knows your feeling. Right? That doesn't mean that that we, once we know that we're saying it wrong, we'll go on with it. If we have the right feeling, we'll want to change. But, but it's uh, not just a technical. I mean, that's the point I think you were making. Right? Not just a technical affair, but a feeling affair. Mm. But a good learned verses. Good learned verses. Yeah. Mm. We're not even speaking from a book, so we're even worse here, worse off. Sometimes we do, but you're expected to read the books. Does that help? Mm-hmm. What else? Yes. There's a couple of ways to understand the chitta. Uh, it's, of course, a component of the what's called the subtle body, antakarna, chitta, buddhi, manas, and hankar, the fourfold components of the antakarna. Um, and the chitta is also identified with what's called the mahatattva. So it's the subtlest uh, manifestation of nature that then. Um, has the power, as I often say, to reflect consciousness, hmm? and as a result, appear luminous itself, hmm? even while the light that it, sh- that it sheds or shares is is a reflected light. Hmm? So the glancing, as we say, of Vishnu, the subtlest form of matter, t- takes it and reflects until. The world unfolds, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then that is macrocosmically speaking. And then the chitta is the is a microcosm of the mahatattva mm-hmm. in each individual. That's one explanation. Another explanation is that the whole thing is the chitta, and it contains an antakarna, buddhi, and, and manas. Depends what school. All of these schools, the yoga school, even the Buddhist school, and other schools of Indian philosophical thought, um, all accepted the Sankhya explanation of nature, of the external world, hmm, to include subtle and gross matter, gross matter expanding out of subtle matter, and and with the collapsing of the universe enfolding back into subtle matter and so forth. So this, this, this Sankhya description of nature, every system practically of, of philosophy. Well, 
maybe not all of them, but a good number of them anyway, uh, adopted the, the, the Sankhya explanation. And then it's varied. Mm-hmm. So there's different ways in which they talk about the elements, sometimes collapsing some into, into others, and then there's an expanded explanation, and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, but it's uh, it's the uh, it's uh, you know what we might call the awareness. Sometimes awareness is thought to be the be all and end all of consciousness. He's more aware. He's more conscious. Hmm? Right. Awareness is, a, is an aspect of consciousness. Sometimes we give the example of a light. A light is luminous and it sheds light on other things. So shedding light on other things is like awareness. It's an aspect of the light, but the light is luminous in and of itself, besides the fact that it lights other things. So consciousness chitta is like awareness, but that's this is only like a shadow of actual consciousness, a reflection of consciousness proper, which is the atma. Hmm? So sometimes it's referred to as consciousness, or sometimes it's material consciousness, awareness. Does that help? Yeah, like I've said before, sometimes you, you hear a sound, you become aware. You, it means you become aware of it. I'm aware of a sound. Then with Buddha, you discriminate. What is the sound? It's a flute. Huh. With Manas, which is the seat then of desire, you decide, I like that sound or I don't like that sound. Hmm. And the Hunkar is, 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 the, is that which create, brings about individuality and sense of individuality, <laughs> as pro- provincial as it may be. Hmm. Anything else? What's the time? Okay, let's stop there. Shishidaji Gopal Kijai. Gaur Bhaktivinda Kijai.